guys, uh, my name is Victoria, and this is my podcast, Happy Hour with Victabulous. I am super excited to <laughs> Sorry, it's a story. <laughs> my sister's laughing at me. Anyways, uh, this is my first podcast, and I'm really excited because we've been talking about doing this podcast for the last few months, um, but with everything going on with COVID and everything... It just kept uh, delaying it, and so finally now we are getting it going. Um, so again, my name is Victoria, and I was born and raised in San Diego. I work for Sharp Healthcare, and I'm a mom and a wife. And uh, basically what my podcast is going to be about, uh, just reviewing, discussing movies, TV shows, all that fun stuff. I really enjoy watching movies, and I feel like I'm pretty hilarious commenting um, commentating on them. At least that's what my friends and family tell me. So that's what we're going to be doing. Um, hopefully once we get through this pandemic, I can have guests on with me to share this experience. Um, but for right now, it's just going to be as an audience that I'll be having sharing this experience with you. So I'm super excited. So the first episode, official episode for my podcast is going to be on uh, the movie A Quiet Place, which... I feel to me has been one of the best scary movies that has come out since I can't even think of the last scary movie. Like it's just been a long time since a good scary movie like that. It's, it's original, but at the same time, it's different. It separates itself from the other horror movies. You know, you don't really think of a pandemic or not pandemic. That's probably the wrong thing to say right now. <laughs> Sorry. Um, like a post-apocalyptic um, event to happen. You already have to be quiet as, you know, any zombie movies, anything like that, vampire movies, you know, you already have to worry about, like, you know, being quiet, sneaking around. But this legitimate movie is literally how these monsters operate. They have a heightened sense of hear, hearing, and that's how they prey on their victims. If you make any kind of noise, that's how they get you. So of all the things to have to worry about in a post-apocalyptic situation, being quiet is like got to be one of the hardest things to do. So um, with that being said, let's just get right into it. I am super pumped. This is episode numero uno. Um, and like I mentioned in my intro, we are going to be talking about A Quiet Place. Now, as some of you know, the um, A Quiet Place Part 2 sequel to the first one was supposed to come out uh, in back in March. But unfortunately, that was around the same time that everything started happening with the coronavirus, so that release date has been pushed back, and unfortunately we do not know when that is going to um, change, um, but hopefully, but understandably, it may not be as soon as we want it to. Um, so in the meantime, we're going to still talk about the first movie, refresh our memories, talk about what happened, and then kind of segue into the, um, the trailers for the part two movie, and kind of discuss debate, hypothesize, predict, you know, give our our opinions on what, where the second movie is going to take us based on 
the trailer and where we left off on the first movie. So, yeah, let's go ahead and get started with Quiet Place, directed by John Krasinski, um, also starring John Krasinski, Emily Blunt, Melissa Simmons, and Noah G. So, the movie starts off with uh, the family, their name is the Abbots. Um, so they're at this convenience store, and where the movie kind of starts off, you, you can tell that they've already dealt with the initial attack of these creatures. So the world has long been since overrun by these creatures, and now they're just, you know, trying to survive. They're in this convenience store trying to find medicine for their son, who has fallen ill, um, and while they're, you know, getting supplies and and finding medicine, the two other kids are uh, just kind of roaming around the store. Their youngest son, who I want to say is about three or four in the movie, um, finds this toy rocket and wants to play with it. Um, but unfortunately, it's a toy that makes noise. So when he's carrying it to them, you know, they're kind of frozen, dead in the tracks. Um, trying not to instigate or initiate kind of him to, to turn it on. Um, so luckily, John Krasinski's character um, grabs the rocket, takes out the batteries, and, uh, you know, very gently puts it on the counter to the side of him. And unfortunately, he has to tell his son that, he, you know, he can't have it. They all start getting ready to head back because it's starting to get dark. The daughter, who is the oldest, feels bad and gives him the rocket, you know, kind of like a little secret between the two of them. She's just trying to be a good sister, but the little boy is old enough to know that the rocket can't work without the batteries. So what does he do? He grabs the batteries. Um, so it kind of pans out There's their, as they're walking, you know, back to their um, house. They're walking on a trail of sand because I guess the sand helps them not make any noise as they're walking and it's just a designated way for them to all stay on the same path and um, eliminate any unnecessary or unwanted sounds so they start making their way back um, they the little boy with the rocket is the you know at the very end of the um, group walking behind them and then it's they start about to cross this bridge. It looks like they're like this, like it's kind of like the home stretch, like they're almost home. They're just about to be there. And then this little boy, bless his little soul, figures out how to put the batteries back in the rocket. And then of course the rocket starts making the inevitable sound. Um, and with that, the parents turn around in horror because of this sound and unfortunately the, the the sister who's the oldest she is deaf and she can't hear the rocket but based off the horrifying looks on her parents faces she turns around and sees what's going on and they're all kind of freaking out the dad has to put down the son who's not feeling good and starts booking it towards the sun um, because he knows already that one of the creatures is already heard, if not, you know, multiple, and are already going to be, you know, 
heading in their direction, and sure, sure enough, you hear the sounds in the distance of a creature starting to make their way to the sound. Um, and but unfortunately, just as the dad is going to reach the son, the creature snatches the little boy, um, and there you have it. It's just a very traumatizing experience or scene for any parent watching. Definitely did not expect of all characters to die to have the little boy. So thanks a lot, John Krasinski. And I think, what is it, this movie came out in 2018, and I don't remember exactly when it came out. It was 2018 because I had just given birth to my son. Um, it was April, yeah, April 6, 2018. So my son was about six months old, and just a brand new mom. Seeing that scene, it's not good. No, not good. It was, uh, yeah, I have a bone to pick with uh, Mr. Krasinski. But anyways, we'll save that for later. Unfortunately, the youngest son dies, and then it kind of cuts fast forward to a little over a year, maybe a year and a half. Um, I don't know when exactly, how long it's been since the, the son died from, from that scene, but, um, they, since the whole, you know, apocalypse or the, you know, post-apocalyptic attack, um, it's been about 400 and some odd days. So about a little, about a year and a half, we'll just say. Um, so they're, you know, going about their daily lives, it basically kind of shows them how they're, they're living, how they're surviving. You know, the dad is putting some more sand on the trails, the mom's, you know, doing cooking dinner, doing some household work, and the kids are in a basement in the farmhouse, and they're starting to pad up, kind of create, make this soundproof room, because, wait for it, the mom's pregnant. Now, I don't know if it's just because they didn't, they couldn't find, you know, up-to-date protection, Obviously, the pull-out method did not work. I don't know what they were thinking. They just, you know, I know it's just a movie, but still. Like, you're living in this post-apocalyptic world where extraterrestrial creatures have overrun the world. They hear you really well. Like, they could, they have heightened senses, hearing senses. And you just went ahead and got yourself pregnant, like, ringing the dinner bell. Seriously, ring ringing the dinner bell for these creatures. But anyways, um, so she looks pretty, pretty well into her pregnancy. She looks, they're get like, she's close enough. So they're starting to make all these preparations. They have they, this, this crate, which is just insane to think about as you watch them getting this room ready for when the baby arrives. Um, because they're definitely going to need a soundproof room, i tell you that, that, yeah. So they have this crate that's kind of like they, um, this wooden crate that they've turned into a bassinet um, for the baby, and it's padded and everything, but then they have this oxygen tank, so they're going to put the baby in there and put an oxygen mask on this little baby and cover and put a lid on it, so that's like an added soundproof to help keep them hidden and unknown to the creatures. 
which is just insane. So they're going about their lives, you know, their days. Um, they're having dinner together. The, they have the one of those, um, like those those underground stoves where they they how to cook their food. Um, obviously, because they can't use it really anything, um, and they're using uh, these big leaves as plates. It, it's pretty it's pretty crazy how it shows you how they kind of adjusted to this new way of living since this uh, post-apocalyptic takeover. And then, like they, after dinner, the kids are you know the two the brother and sister are playing monopoly with the um, these like felt material like fabric type pieces. And they go to reach for, I'm assuming, the money. It all happens really quickly. But they, they grab for the money, and they knock over this lamp, and which causes a fire, unfortunately. So uh, uh, the dad quickly rushes over, to puts it out, and they all are just kind of frozen in the tracks. Because, you know, sound leads to one thing, the creature's coming. So they're kind of just holding their breath to see if they hear any kind of sounds. They hear a little kind of uh, sound on the roof, but it ends up being like a couple of raccoons. Unfortunately for them, unfortunately for one of the raccoons, because as the raccoons start going into the cornfield, one of the creatures that was hiding in the cornfield grabs them. So that was kind of a distraction um, for the family to the creatures who probably did hear the fire initially or the, the, the lamp falling over and breaking, and then the raccoons kind of disguised that sound to make it seem like, you know, unknowingly. Anyways, Next day, the dad is starting to get ready to go to this river because they've set traps for uh, fish. So he's getting ready. They have this basement. They're living in the farmhouse on their ranch. And obviously they can't live in their house. You know, it's kind of like wooden. It's too creepy. You know, just too, too many chances of making noise. So, but he does use the basement of the house, um, and in the basement it shows kind of like his uh, research office and uh, security area. He has his security camera set up throughout the house and outside, overlooking the fields, you know, and just kind of his research about showing the history of his research about these creatures, what he's learned so far about them. Um, but the number one question still remains, what are their weaknesses, which they still don't know to this day. And then he has this little area set up where he's trying to um, use these different frequencies, goes through this uh, frequency book to try to reach, you know, do a Morse code SOS, to try to reach anybody. Um, but unfortunately, he has been unsuccessful. And then there's this little area where he's been working on his daughter's hearing aids, and it has a book of the inner structure of the human ear. So he's been trying to work on this, you know, they don't think she has one that works too well. As it turns out, you know, they have to, they, they're signing, so I guess, you know, that in a way that works out for them as a way to communicate so that it gives less of a chance of them kind of making any noise, unnecessary noise with their their mouths. So they sign to each other. They just have to use that more more frequently because of everything that's been going on. And But it looks like she doesn't have a working hearing aid, so he's been trying to, you know, fix this for her because unfortunately she can't hear anything. If these creatures are coming, she's not going to know. So he's been working on that. You can kind of tell there's a little bit of the tension between the daughter and the father ever since the incident that happened with the son. Um, I think they kind of, in a way, they blame themselves, but they think that, or at least the daughter blames herself and thinks that the dad blames her too, which 
seems understandable that she would feel that way, you know, especially with all that guilt. There's this kind of tension between them that you kind of feel from the, um, ever since that scene. So the daughter is, tr like, trying to go down there, but the dad won't let her down there. I don't really know why he won't let her down there. I think because he's just trying to protect her and doesn't want to see that he's been working on this. I don't know. Um, so that kind of causes them to have a bit of a rift as well to, you know, they have a disagreement. Um, so the dad starts getting ready to go to this river. The, the son is going to go with him, but the poor child is terrified. So he's, he doesn't want to go, but the mom convinces him too that he needs to learn how to do these things, you know, anything can happen to them. They go down to the river to get the, this fish. Meanwhile, the mom stays back, continues doing her um, daily chores. The daughter kind of has this, you know, she has a very teenage moment. She's just upset. She wants to go with the dad. The dad won't let her. And uh, she just feels that she has to stay home and can't do anything, which you kind of can't. You're, you're in a post-apocalyptic world. What are you going to do? So the dad just tells her that she needs to stay, stay with the mom, help the mom out. The son and the dad get to the river. They have these little baskets or traps for the fish. The dad starts making his way into the river to get the fish, grabs the fish, puts it on the stone. And, but before he can do anything with the fish, it slips out causing a little bit of splashing. The son freaks out, is ready to book it because he thinks that the creatures are going to come. But the dad truck, the Camino talks to him and tells him it's okay because the sound of the river, it kind of shields and masks the sounds that they make, the little sounds that they make. But the, the son still kind of isn't buying it. So the dad takes him to this nearby waterfall and tells him that, um, you know, kind of yells into, shows him, you know, hey, it's okay, we're safe, this giant waterfall makes so much noise that if we make any kind of noise, really, that's smaller than the waterfall noise, we're okay. Um, so he screams into the waterfall, son kind of freaks out, but then realizes that nothing happened, can't really hear it, so he does the same thing, and it's kind of like this exhilarating moment between this father, the father and son, and, uh, then they kind of have this talk where, you know, this moment where they're, you know, talking about the daughter, asking, you know, the, the son asks the dad, do you love the daughter? The dad looks at him all crazy. Of course I do. But, the, you know, the son suggests he, that he tell her that. And it's, it's a kind of a intense moment because when you think about it, these, this family is doing their best to try to, you know, the, the parents are doing their best to try to survive, not just themselves, but try to, you know, protect their kids and survive in this crazy new world that they're living in. And you kind of, you can understand where, obviously they love their kids a lot and they're going to, you know, do what they can to protect them at all costs, but then you forget to remind them and say those words, those important words, like, I love you, um, because of, you know, you're just kind of stuck in this survival mode 24-7. So it was a pretty um, sweet and uh, sentimental moment. And then it, kind of, it cuts back to the branch where the mom is getting, well, the daughter is still, you know, throwing a fit. She's throwing a tantrum. She's going back to her room. She's grabbing, she's packing her bags. She's sorry. She's heading. She's leaving. She's going to run away. I don't know where the hell she's going to go. I would just keep my ass home. She goes, she packs her bags, and she starts heading down 
the equivalent now. Maybe not. I was going to say Elizabeth Rope, but that's not it. It's Sandy Rope. She's heading down Sandy Rope. Don't know where she's going to go. Um, well, you do. You do know where she goes. She goes. I lied. She goes to the little grave that they made, um, the memorial area for where the son dies. Um, so that's where she's headed. Uh, and then the mom is in the house, in the basement, washing clothes. She takes these clothes in bags, which, first of all, these bags are way too heavy for a pregnant woman, at least as pregnant as she is for her to be carrying. But we're not going to get into that. Um, what we are going to get into is the scene set up that they have these lovely writers and director has created for us, this horrifying scene that they're setting up right here. So the mom grabs the bags of clothes. She has one in one hand, and she's dragging the bag of clothes with the other. And she starts making her way up the stairs. This is the same basement where the dad has the whole research set up, security cameras and all that. So she starts making her way up the stairs. And the bag that she's dragging behind her gets caught on something. What does it get caught on? It gets caught on a damn nail. I don't know who decided to put this staircase together and use an extra large nail. Oh no, like obviously it must have been dad. He's just, you know, hammering away, used too long on the nail. It popped up through the, the top of the stairs, so he hammered it down to keep, you know, to, to bend the pointy part. So it gets caught on this bag. She doesn't know what it's caught on. She thinks it's just kind of like the wood of the, the stairs. She starts pulling it and pulling it and pulling it. Well, all that pulling is... The only thing it's doing is bending it back upward, so the bottom of the nail is sticking up. Remind you, this is a scene setup. Only, you know, setting up for a not-so-pleasant experience for whoever is about to encounter this nail. So, she finally gets it loose, not bothering to check on why or what's causing this bag to be snagged. But she just pulls, finally it breaks free, starts dragging it back up the stairs. And they do one more quick little look at this beautiful shiny nail that's just ready to interrupt somebody's day, which will happen shortly. So she starts going out, she's hanging the clothes, and then she decides to go back up to um, the house in the room, what I'm, you know, the, the son that passed away, the, um, his room. She's kind of having a moment to herself and, oh, speaking of a moment to herself, almost forgot. So, I'll finish this scene, I'll finish this little thing and then I'll go back. So, the mom's having this moment, obviously, kind of just like the emotions of not just preparing for the, the baby, but just the guilt that she clearly has for what happened to her son. So, she's kind of just reminiscing, just having a moment to herself. The dad had a similar moment earlier on in the movie, um, the night before. He goes up to this tower, which ends up being kind of like a, I don't know the proper name for it, but it has a bunch of like corn kernels, which is going to be another uh, scene set up later. So he's at the top of this tower. He starts lighting this kind of like bonfire type pit thing at the top, and it's kind of like a signal to, I guess, whoever is in the nearby ranches hiding out because the as the camera pans out all over the distance you see all these different fires starting to light one right after the other so maybe it's just their way of 
kind of keeping tabs on each other, like, hey, at this time we're going to be lighting this fire, light your, you know, whatever, so we know. But then he starts to have his little sentimental moment where he has this little box full of, you know, trinkets and, 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 and memorabilia of his son. So you can tell that the, the, the guilt is still heavy and they're still dealing with it kind of in their own way. And now the daughter, she makes it to the little memorial spot where the, the son um, died and she puts a, she takes out of her bag the rocket that, the inevitable rocket, but she's figured out a way to let the lights, the flashing lights on it go off without a sound, she cut the wire to the sound. So she kind of put, places that there and is just chilling out there. And then back at the river, the, the son and the dad are getting ready to make their way back to the ranch. And as they're, you know, walking on their trail, they this kind of like this scene is just really, really creepy. But they're walking back and then they kind of see them walk past this figure just standing off to the side in the bushes. And um, so they look and they quickly realize that this guy is... You know, they just discovered his wife, who has unfortunately been taken out by one of the creatures. She's got this pretty gnarly gash across her abdomen. And, unfortunately, you know, the poor husband is just so emotional. You could tell he's, he's just, he's about to lose it. Um, and John Krasinski's character realizes that he's going to lose it. Um, he's shaking uncontrollably, you know, he could just, they're having this moment, this staring moment, where you can tell through their eyes, you know, they're communicating, the guy wants, is going about to, you know, make noise to draw attention to himself because he just lost his wife and, you know, there's no reason for him to want to survive anymore. And John's character sees that, he starts, you know, this terrified look, he's like, don't do it, he starts shaking his head, and he's telling, you know, through his eyes, don't do it, dude, don't do it, I know you want to, trust me, I know what you're going through, but don't do it, don't make any noise, and the guy's kind of struggling, you know, he's just all within his emotions, he looks like he's trying to fight it, but he's not, he's already made up his mind, he knows what he's going to do, sure enough, he opens his mouth, starts screaming, the dad quickly grabs the son, picks him up, and books it the other way really, really fast, just as far as they can, because they know these creatures move fast. Once they hear a sound, they're, they're coming, and it's only a matter of time where they're going to be coming from before you hear them, and so they quickly hide behind this tree. Dad's covering up the son's mouth to try to keep him from making noise, and, you know, the guy, the older guy gets taken out. And so they're kind of stuck there, waiting out this creature um, attacking the guy. It's a little bit later in the day. It goes back to the mom scene. The mom is getting ready to head back downstairs. She has this frame, a picture of her son that she's going to take with her. And uh, before she even makes it out of the room, one of the biggest oh shit moments to possibly happen to her is her water breaks, like of all times for this to happen. She's by herself. She doesn't know she's by herself. She thinks her daughter's here, but doesn't know where her daughter is. And the son and dad are obviously away. Water breaks. And usually when someone's water breaks, it doesn't necessarily mean the baby's coming, but this is a movie. They're going to make sure the baby's going to come right away. And it's going to be the most intense labor 
that anybody has possibly ever had in the history of labors. So, she's having her freak out moment. She's realizing the baby's coming. She starts making her way down the stairs. Um, just as she gets to the bottom of the stairs, she starts to have what I can only assume is an intense and painful contraction. I fortunately didn't experience any contractions. Uh, we knew my son was going to be coming out, having to be a C-section. Um, he was measuring large, and so, you know, three doctors told me we recommend a C-section. I'm not about to argue with medical professionals on how my baby's going to be delivered. If they say he's too big to make his grand entrance through the regular exit that was provided for him, then best believe I'm going to allow the doctors to create a detour for him to come out. And then even then, when we were preparing for his birth, no contractions, even though they claimed that I was having contractions on the monitor, didn't feel it. So kind of bummed out. I didn't have a little bit of, you know, experience as far as contractions with that. But then, you know, I think about this scene with her and I'm just, you know, I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. Um, so she's having a contraction. She's trying to get through it. Then she's was about to make her way out the house and lo and behold there's a creature out there just roaming out in the fields having you know enjoying the night and so she makes her way back down to the basement there's the scene set up you guys the one i've been telling you about with meryl so she's waddling down the stairs and sure as shit she steps on that fucking nail and you can only imagine the pain that she feels, the unexpected having to quickly keep yourself from making any kind of sound, expressing that pain. And in doing so, she had to grip onto something. She didn't want to lose her balance. And unfortunately, she had to the the she let go of the frame that she was still holding. Frame falls, shatters, breaks, makes noise. You know where that leads. So she has this really quick moment of reeling from the pain of stepping on this damn nail. So she slowly brings her foot off of the nail. She's bleeding from her foot now. One more thing that she, I mean, this poor woman, she already happened to deal with labor. She's being by herself. She's dealing with these contractions. And now she has to deal with the pain in her foot from stepping on the damn nail. Good job, dad or husband, making sure the place is safe. Well done. Um, so she waddles over to this switchboard, um, light switch, because uh, they have outdoor lights um, all throughout the, the string lights, all throughout the field. And it's in a, like a low warm kind of uh, lights, outdoor lights. And then when she flicks the switch, it switches to red. So obviously that means shit's happening, shit's going down. If you see these lights, hurry your ass up down to the barn. So she starts to try to make her way back up to the stairs. Just as she's heading up the stairs again, she sees the creature in the house crossing the doorway. Doesn't come down yet. So she's freaking out. She needs to try to find a distraction. She runs over to this shelf where she, they have all these like knickknacks, whatever. And she finds a timer, like those uh, kitchen cooking timers. And then she starts having another contraction. And the way that the Emily portrays a woman going into labor and experiencing a contraction is just, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's accurate as hell. 
I, I mean, I believed it, but it's just so, it's so good. It's so intense that you can, you kind of, not in a way feel it, but you're just, you feel for her. It's just, it's just, it's so good. The scene is so intense. So she starts setting up the timer. She runs and quickly hides behind a wall in the basement as just as the creature's starting to come down. But guess what? Does the creature step on the nail? No, he doesn't. No, I don't know why they couldn't let that happen. But anyways, so the creature kind of, his head, they show it kind of starts peeling back or coming apart like a puzzle. And then you see the ear, his the, their ear, and just the how they're hearing the ticking, and um, really get a, get a good idea of what these creatures kind of look like the the anatomy of the head, and then the inside of just this giant ear on the side. And so they, it hears the ticking, and then finally the alarm goes off. It starts attacking wherever the alarm is. That gives the mom the opportunity to run up the stairs missing the nail because how shitty would that be if she stepped on with the other foot the yeah that'd just be horrible um so she starts going up the stairs she can't make it to the barn in time so she ends up going up back up the stairs in the house to the bathroom and gets into the bathtub and just as she's doing this the dad and son are just coming over this uh hill and they see the red lights and you could just tell that they know that this sh that means you know shit's ha something's happened we need to book it so they start rushing down through their um tra down the trail to the barn and then um cuts back to the mom in the, the bathtub and she's trying not to make a sound but you see this so not only she starts she's bleeding from her foot but now she starts bleeding from labor because this baby is coming and she knows it she's just, it's only a matter of minutes before this baby is going to be here the creature you hear the creature downstairs starting to make their way up the dad and the son finally reach the barn the dad tells the son we need to make a distraction and noise for your mom she needs us we need to find her you know something you know we just need to do something he um the son is a little terrified because he knows that, that he has to go and like these fireworks, which is going to cause the big, a big distraction to help um, disguise the labor noise, which is pretty genius. So, but the son's terrified because that means he has to go off by himself. The dad convinces him, hey, we need to, your mom needs us. So the son starts making his way towards where the, these uh, fireworks are. His dad grabs the shotgun and is starting to, you know, waiting for his uh, cue for the fireworks to start making his way to the house. All the while, the mom is trying so hard not to make any noise. She's her contractions are clearly, you know, if the baby's coming, she needs to start pushing. She's really trying not to. And just as the creature is starting to go up the stairs, the son reaches the fireworks, lights them, and they start going off. And just that moment where she can no longer hold in the intense pain anymore, the fireworks start going off. And so she's able to give that relief, that scream, that painful sound of just, you know, labor coming, the baby coming. And if, like I said, it's probably one of the most intense scenes I've ever seen ever of child labor. Like to, in this, in a movie like this, 
it's just it's just crazy. So the dad starts booking it to the house as the the creatures are starting to race towards the sound of the fireworks, which the son is starting to run away quickly because he knows what's coming. Um, and then um, the daughter is still at the memorial site for the son, and so she's kind of you know looking up at the stars and she's able to see, start seeing the fireworks, so she knows something's happened. So she starts booking it towards back to the ranch. The dad makes it up to the stairs, sees the tub. Mom's not in the tub, but he sees all the blood, and then you can just see this horror go through him, imagining the worst, thinking that, you know, she got, she was attacked. Um, and he's falling to the ground, and, and the, the, behind him you see the shower. She's in the shower with the baby. She made it. So he grabs her. He starts making his way down back to the barn, and then it cuts to the, the scene where the sun making his way, he's kind of walking, you know, walking back down the trail, because he's almost to the to the house. Um, he's making his way in between the cornfield, uh, and then he hears this sound. So he freezes, it's the creature, he doesn't know where, like, where exactly it is. You see some of the, 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 the leaves of rattles of move. So he books it the opposite direction, running as fast as he can, going through the cornfield. You hear the creature closing in behind him, and then he runs smack dab into a tractor tire and knocks himself out. Which, I guess, is kind of a good thing, because that means he's not making any noise, and the creature can't find him. Um, anyways, so the dad is about halfway to the barn. He's, you know, carrying not just the mom, but the baby as well. We're trying to quickly but slowly, carefully, quietly make his way back to the barn to the soundproof room that they had created specifically for this uh, reason. And just as he gets inside the barn, the baby starts to, is starting to cry, so he knows he needs to quickly, you know, get into this room before the creatures come. Um, and just as he gets into the room and covers himself, a creature comes into the barn, and then you can hear above that they are starting to, um, the creature's starting to attack. And then it cuts to, what is it, the daughter's finally making her way to, on the same trail that the son was at. She comes across the flashlight that he had dropped when he started running. Um, so she tries, like, they're investigating, and then you see behind her that this creature, a creature come out from the other cornfield, creeping up behind her. And then this, this moment happens where you're kind of like, okay, this can possibly be a good thing for them as far as defeating these creatures. So, does a little teaser. The creature's coming behind her. As it's getting closer, the, the sensitivity or, or something with the hearing aid starts to make a sound, kind of like a, a very static, crackling sound. Um, and so she's able to hear that and it's, it causes, you know, a lot of discomfort. It's not the most pleasant. It's very high-pitchy kind of screeching sound. And that is irritating the, the creature so much that it makes him, makes it run away. So that's kind of like a good sign right there. The daughter continues to go through the field to follow the trail and leads her to where the son was hiding. So they have this, you know, kind of 
nice reunion moment, hugging, um, and they're trying to figure out where they need to go next. Um, then it comes back to the soundproof room. The mom wakes up, trying to kind of recollect her thoughts, like remember where she was, because you know she, I think, pretty, pretty sure the last um, thing she remembers happening is just you know giving birth, and that's it. So the dad reassures her that they're safe. They have the baby in the crate. It ends up being a boy, and um, they kind of have this moment where they, uh, you know, the mom talks about how she she could have done something she could have you know only she would have taken you know helped a little boy on the way back you know um nothing would have happened to him and you could just see that she's just feeling extremely guilty that she could have done that she could have done more to prevent his um his death but the dad's just reassuring her you know hey we did everything we could you know stop blaming yourself and then she realizes, hey, where are my other kids? And the dad's like, I'll find them. Don't worry, I'll find them. And she's just like, you know, hey, we gotta, we gotta protect them because, you know, we're the parents. We gotta do. Who are we if we can't protect them? So they have that moment there. And then um, the son and the daughter are going back to. They make it to. They decide to go to the, the tower where. They light the fire where the father was lighting the fire. Um, so they climb all the way to the top, are trying to light the fire, but they can't get it to keep burning. And it doesn't look like anybody in the distance. It looks like they've kind of already tried lighting theirs, and, but nobody's responding. So I think that it's already past their time. And then the, the, the kids have their moment where they're like, you know, the son is like, let's stay. He's getting there. The dad's going to come and find us. The sister is still bitter with the dad. She's like, no, he's not going to come. We need to go. The brother's really insistent that they stay. He will come for us. The sister seems to think that the dad will only come for his son, not her, because, you know, she still thinks that he blames her for the death of their brother. Um, and then as she's turning around to start heading back down, the brother gets up to come after her and falls through the tower into where the corn goes corn kernels are being held. So she kind of felt something with, the, with him falling through. She turns around and realizes he's gone. She's trying to motion him to stop moving. And then the lid or the, the thing, the, the lid that he fell through falls to the, falls down near him, which, you know, obviously makes tons of sound. The dad hears this sound while he's out looking for them. And he comes across the flashlight where the sun was at. And here's the sound from where the, when the sun was falling into the um, tower. So he climbs up on the tractor and is kind of looking to see if he can see them. All the while, he realizes that their creatures are coming from the you know, the field because they also heard, you know, the sun falling. So then he starts trying to book it. The sister jumps into the tower with the, the, the brother trying to help him, free him. Then the creature comes in too. They're covering themselves with the lid that fell down, the metal lid. Fortunately, it's able to help. And then again, that noise from the hearing aid starts to happen again. And um, this fortunately causes the creature to kind of shriek out in pain and discomfort and then he like breaks out of the tower causing like a big hole on the side of it which 
it's good because it helps, it gives them uh, a chance to escape. Um, so just as the kids are jumping out of the horn tower, they, the dad sees their shadows, he runs, they run to each other, and they have this little, you know, happy reunion, but it's shortly, like, interrupted by the creature again making his way back, so they're trying to run to this abandoned truck out in the field, and just as the kids are starting to get into the truck, the dad stops because he realizes he doesn't have a weapon, he's going to need something to defend himself with, so he grabs this abandoned um, axe, and just as, just so the, as the kids are getting into the truck, the dad starts walking, you know, making his way to the truck, and then here's the sound, you see behind him the creature on the roof, and goes to swing at the creature. Unfortunately, the creature is fast and, and hits him and he flies off into the distance really quickly. I almost forgot the creature point. Um, while the dad is out looking for the kids, the mom is wakes up again to find that the basement, the soundproof basement, is flooding with water. Because, as you recall, as I mentioned, when the dad brought them to the soundproof room, the creature started to attack above in the barn, and in doing so, burst the pipe. The pipe started dripping water slowly into the cracks of the floor into the basement. So she wakes up. There's already water filled up to just under where the bed is, and she sees the baby. The baby's still in the crate, floating perfectly fine, but as she looks across the room, she realizes that there's a creature in the basement with them. So, another oh shit moment. So she starts slowly making her way into the water to reach the baby, but just as she's getting into the water, what happens? This creature does like a little soft nosedive into the water. So, these creatures can hold their breath in the water. They're, you know, capable of swimming, which fucking sucks. Um, so, she, I mean, that's just a whole new level of terror. So she's making her way to the crate slowly, not knowing where it is, because there's no lights, there's just like candles everywhere lit, and then the water is dark, so you can't even see the creature. So as she's slowly making her way to get her baby, who's not that far away, but in this moment, I'm pretty sure it's, it seems like this baby is like on the opposite side of an 11 size pool. She reaches the baby just as she reaches the baby and pulls the baby out of the crate. The creature starts coming up from the water. So she starts backing up into this kind of closet-like area. The closet is kind of like creating this um, waterfall. And so she, the creature starts following her and she finally makes it through the little mini waterfall and into the closet. And just as the creature is about to go into that's when they hear the noise from the sun falling into the cornhole, or the corn kernel. <laughs> I don't know where I got that from, but whatever. We're just going to go with it. Um, so that's kind of her little fortunate escape was the sun making noise. So cut back to the scene to where the dad just got um, attacked and hit by the creature, which the sun freaks out, screams for the dad. Again, bringing attention to himself, um, the creature starts making its way to the truck and attacking the truck while the kids are trapped inside. The, um, but at the same time, the, the daughter's hearing aid starts going off again and making that really high screeching sound. 
um, but she finally, you know, it's, it's so excruciating for her that she has to turn it off. And then that causes the, the creature to keep attacking again. Um, and then you see uh, the dad who's, you know, seriously injured, manages to get up and make a distraction for the creature, you know, to save his kids. But just before the creature unfortunately detects the dad, he has this moment, this, you know, he makes eye contact with the daughter and has this moment where he signs to her that he loves her and that he's always loved her, you know, and that's kind of their, um, their, their, their moment of, of, of understanding with each other and, and seeing where, how he feels, you know. Um, it just sucks that shortly afterwards the dad gets unfortunately killed by the creature because he screams to bring the creature away from his kids. Um, so the son puts the brake down, the emergency brake down of the truck, and the truck starts rolling down the hill. The mom makes it back to the basement of the um, house so she can see the um, through the security cameras. And unfortunately, she sees everything that happened between the dad and the, the creature, you know, so she, she knows he didn't make it. Um, the kids make it to the mom. They have their little, you know, moment of reuniting um, and, and crying. You know, they just lost their dad. She just lost her husband. And then they hear the creatures. These damn creatures won't go away. So they have to go and go back into the basement where the baby is. And that's when the daughter, um, you know, sees, the, goes into the basement for the first time. Mind you, as the kids are coming down the stairs, mom makes a very clear point to point to the nail. Like, be careful. Why has this nail not been removed yet? Like, seriously. Someone else is going to step on it. Like, they just really want this nail to be the end of them, rather than the creatures. Um, but anyways, so they make it to the basement. The daughter sees everything, you know, the, um, the basement for the first time and realizes what the dad has been doing for her, and um, the mom is letting the son, having the son hold the baby. They're trying to figure out, the mom grabs the gun, they're trying to figure out, you know, watching the cameras, and shortly there's, the creature starts making his way back down the stairs into the basement, and as the creature's coming down and getting closer and closer, the hearing aid starts going off again. And the daughter is, you know, in pain. She's in discomfort. She's trying not to make any sound. The mom's trying to figure out what's going on with her. And then the daughter starts to put together that there's a connection between the creatures and this um, her hearing aid. So she puts up the hearing aid to the, the microphone that the dad was using to, to communicate for the frequencies and the creature kind of like starts going insane, like just losing its mind over this, this piercing sound um, because it's, it's, it's attacking their, the ear, you know, their, their hypersensitivity to hearing, and then it kind of like passes out for like a second. And just as the mom and the daughter are kind of having this moment, the creature starts to get back up and it's about to attack. Um, but the daughter turns up the volume to the, the microphone and like puts her hearing aid right up to it, causing the screeching again. This sound causes like the, the armor or the, the head of the creature to kind of pull away again and expose its inner ear. So it looks like that was in it, which creates this opportunity for the mom to, to shoot the, the creature. 
um, because it seems like their armor is like impenetrable unless it's like kind of pulled back how it was. So it does that, the creature's dead. They figure out that, you know, that's how they're going to survive. That's how they, they're going to kill these creatures. The gunshot causes two more creatures to come, you know, in the distance. They see in the camera as these creatures start coming down and they're kind of like having this moment like, all right, we got this. We know how these creatures are going to die. It kind of ends with the daughter grabbing the microphone in her hand and the mom, you know, cocking the, or, you know, getting the shotgun ready for another um, round. And it ends like that. That's my little brief review or summary of the movie. I hope everybody kind of remembers based off everything that I kind of went through. But uh, yeah, so that's A Quiet Place. Bummed out that John Kozinski's character didn't make it. But, I mean, it, it had to happen, I guess. Um, whatever. Um, so now leading into the trailer of A Quiet Place, where it's kind of, you know, they're going to be, it looks as though they're going to be doing a bit of flashbacks um, to how this whole thing started with the, the creatures um, attacking them. It's pretty intense, the trailer, because, you know, the, the dad is, you know, there's something going on in the, in the town that's kind of, you know, the, got the whole town kind of like on alert, confused on what's going on. The dad goes up to this cop and starts, you know, kind of just seeing what's going on. Then out of nowhere, this creature comes and attacks the car because I guess the radio is going off causing mass hysteria. Then the dad starts running back to the truck. Um, so that's one trailer. Then you see another trailer where there's static on the radio, but you can't get a clear channel. The mom's trying to flip, you know, Emily Blunt's character is trying to flip through. She's driving through the town, trying to figure out what's going on. You see her son in the front seat, as well as the youngest son who had died in the movie, the first movie, um, in the back seat. She's reassuring him, everything's okay. And then um, she's parked behind, or not parked, but she's stopped behind this car, and they're kind of just trying to figure out what's going on. And then the creature attacks the car in front of them. She starts, you know, swerving around the car, trying to, you know, escape out, like out drive, just drive away. They pass by the the truck that the dad and the daughter are in, and then they come to a stop because she realizes that this bus is coming at them at like a really high speed so she has to drive in reverse which according to um, an interview with John Krasinski she did um, Emily Blunt did this um, stunt herself which is really impressive um, because the the way she, they do the scene is just just crazy it's, it's just intense and um, you can see in the background as the bus is like right on the car that there's this um, hole in the window of where the driver would sit and the creature starts coming out. It's very brief, it's very quick, so I don't know how many people, you'd have to see the trailer a few times to finally see the creature's like arm or you know peeking through before it like cuts out. So, um, and then there's uh, another trailer where they show the kids and the mom you know, they're kind of, they packed up what they could and they're starting to, they're starting to make a move, like they're, they're leaving the ranch behind and just trying to find somewhere new to set up, um, to stay. So they're going through this kind of like field 
in between buildings, and then it looks like there's, you know, she comes across a booby trap or like a, a trap for, I don't know if it's necessarily for her. That's the question that I have. Is, is it for other, is it like a, a bait for these creatures? So um, anybody walking through, or is it to give away when a creature is nearby? That's, that's the question that I had when I first saw this. Um, so Emily's character, they're walking, she doesn't see the wire, she trips the wire, it starts making this sound, so she tells the kids to run, they're running through this factory, and she, her kids are ahead of her, she has the, I think she has the baby, or one of the kids has the baby, no, she has the baby, so she's holding the crate, she's running, and then this figure, this guy, grabs the kids and pulls them and so then he grabs, then the guy grabs her and covers her mouth. And because um, shortly, like in the distance in the factory, there's a creature on the wall. Um, so they make it into this tank-like tunnel. They realize, you know, the dad, the, not the, dad, the the guy that saves them realizes that she has a baby. Kind of like a what the fuck, you know, oh shit moment for them. Um, and it kind of pans out, you know doing a quick, like, the guy who is, um, you may have recognized him, his, his name is Cillian Murphy, I'm not sure if I'm saying the name correctly, I could be completely um, butchering it, but he was in Dunkirk, and he was in, um, oh god, what's the other movie, he was in Batman, he was playing the Scarecrow in Batman, not the Ben Affleck one movies, um, The Dark Knight, those movies. He was in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, he was in a few other notable movies, too. I'm trying to think I'm having, like, such a brain fart. But you'll recognize them. You'll see them. They're familiar faces. So I'm kind of at a loss of where the second movie is going to go. The vibe that I'm getting from um, Sylvia Murphy's character, I don't know, it's just the way he was saying how, um, you know, there's nobody no good people left. So I don't know if they're trying to like set him up to be like the bad guy or look like the bad guy, but he's really a good guy or he's portraying to be the good guy, but he's really the bad guy. I don't know. I'm, that's what I'm kind of getting mixed rides. I'm thinking that he may be a shady person. So it looks like he and the other guy are the only other two survivors. I don't know when he's going to come, Dijamon's character is going to come into play because um, it mainly just shows Cillian Murphy's character, and then it makes you also wonder, like, is he, was he one of the guys that, when, in the first movie, when John Krasinski's character, um, was lighting the fire on top of the towers, was he one of the other ones at the other towers lighting it too, you know, just kind of makes you wonder if there's going to be any connection with, um, those other people, like, who was lighting those other fires in the movie, and if it's, if those characters are going to be in this movie, anyway, um, how many, like, how much flashback are they going to get, like, it's only going to be these flashbacks that are in the trailer, and nothing else in the movie, so that's, you, you know, have that to think about, and then, um, I also wanted to mention, because I don't know about you, but when I first saw this movie, and I saw the creatures that were, that they, the, the structure, the design, the, 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 um, the look of the creatures. I was getting like a cross between Super 8, Cloverfield, um, but primarily 
Stranger Things, Stranger Things creature vibes. That's how that's how these creatures look in similarity wise. They're still very different in their own way because in Stranger Things, the Demogorgon space kind of opens up like a Venus flytrappy kind of thing um, in kind of way. Whereas the creatures in the um, in a quiet place, they not how to say it. They kind of like come apart like a puzzle to show the inner ear of um, that they have. And then what I got from Cloverfield and Super 8, which I think those characters are pretty similar to, is the arms, the long, the long arms, kind of spidery arms. That's what I, um, that's the vibe I was getting. So I don't know if you guys have the same vibe, but that's where I was getting at. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm at where with the, these trailers. Um, I don't know. I, I really hope they do do a little bit more flashbacks, um, kind of like to, to kind of how this, how everything happened um, when these creatures first started to attack. But I don't know. Part of me thinks that they're not going to show any more, that it's just in the trailers, and that's it. But who knows? Um, and then again, Cillian Murphy's character possibly being like a bad guy, like a shade guy. I don't know. It's all kind of like crazy how, the, how this could possibly go in like what direction. I'm really excited to finally see this movie when it does come out and um, I'm pretty sure I'm just going to be wrong. Like <laughs> everything that I've just said, it's like, nope, this is way off, way off. Um, but I, I, again, I really hope that they do um, show more flashbacks in the movie than they did, like they did in the trailer in the trailers, but I feel like, I don't know, maybe they're only going to do the flashbacks in the trailers and then that's it. So, yeah. And, yeah, that's uh, my review discussion on Quiet Place. I hope you guys really, really enjoyed it. I did. And I'm really excited to get um, some more episodes out for you guys to listen to. Um, the second episode is going to be a special episode because um, we are coming up on the anniversary of when the uh, Avengers Endgame movie and was released. It was released on April 26th of last year, and that date is um, quickly coming up. It'll be on Sunday, so I will be recording a special episode in regards to that, having it uh, posted hopefully by on Sunday, the 26th, the anniversary. So yeah, I'm really excited for that. Again, follow me on um, Twitter and Instagram, Happy Hour with the Tabulous. And send me an email um, at my uh, the hotmail email I gave you guys in the beginning. Um, happy hour dictabulous at hotmail.com. You know, let me know your thoughts, comment on my Instagram, Twitter, let me know what movies you want to review and discuss. I kind of I, I really want to make sure that this podcast is interactive with you guys and you guys feel included. So this is why I've created all these different um social media accounts and emails so you can you know email me write me a review you know what you thought about a quiet place or even um upcoming episodes like movies that I'll be reviewing you know kind of give your two cents let me know what you guys think your your thoughts your your interpretations of of movies scenes like whatever just just let me know I want it to be very interactive so 
Um, I'm really excited. Um, and yeah, so this is me signing off. Happy hour with Victabulous. Uh, thanks for listening, and I am looking forward to um, discussing next time. Bye.